Yes, here we are. Thanks for tuning in to Keel Conversations. My name is Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today's guest is Carla White. She is a mobile strategist and designer who is passionate about human-computer interaction, social change, and personal growth. She's also the founder of Happy Tapper that has a host of apps designed to improve lives and has been featured in major media outlets across the globe, including USA Today, Oprah, NPR, Successful Living, Lifehacker, and many more. She's got great experience, 10 plus years developing successful apps and is actually not a developer. So this conversation is loaded full of advice around how to take your idea and translate that to the market and a business. If you're enjoying the conversation, please give us some love wherever you're listening. A review goes a long way in iTunes or whatever podcast app you're listening with. If you take the time to do that, please do leave us a reflective question that has really made a difference in your life. And I'll comb through the reviews to share these questions at the end of the episodes. This podcast would not be possible without the support of Keel, our daily reflection app. All these awesome guests end up in the app to help guide you through your reflection. So give it a spin. All you have to do is load up your Apple App Store app and search KYO. Thanks, as always, for giving us your attention today. Have the best day yet. Who are you? My name is Carla White, and I'm an app producer in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, of all places. I moved here 10 years ago, um, over 10 years ago, and I've actually been producing apps uh, for almost for over 10 years as well. Wow. So, so how did it all begin? I mean, this, it, it's, it, I think it's rare to even hear someone uh, talk about producing apps for, for 10 years. And I know a little bit of your backstory that you've, you know, you're pretty much solo doing this, obviously leveraging partners and, and whatnot through, through the journey, but it's a, you know, tremendous feat. It's, it's really uh, inspirational what you've done, uh, especially in the, in the space you're working in. So, but how did that all start? So when I moved here, I moved here from London and I'm originally from these parts. And the reason I moved back is because I've been living in London for quite some time and we were launching a business there and the business wasn't going very well. And um, I was already under a lot of stress and not handling the stress very well by drinking too much and overworking and uh, my health suffered and all sorts of things. And just when I thought I couldn't take any more, my dad had suddenly passed away mm-hmm. and that sort of, that pushed me over the edge. And my husband thought that the best thing for us at the time or for myself, because I was in such deep depression, uh, was to move back home to be closer to my family, which I really didn't want to do, but um, gave in and we came home and I told him for one year only. And that was well over 10 years ago, so voila. Sure. But uh, when we came back, um, my depression actually got worse because it was a cusp of winter, and winters are quite brutal here. And uh, there was a big gaping hole in my family dynamics with my dad gone. And I had this failed business behind me. So um, what I thought was really bad just got worse. And, of course, my health suffered, and uh, I ended up in the hospital with double pneumonia. And when the doctor checked me out, 
she prescribed some medication, but she also asked me if I wanted some antidepressants. And that's when it really hit home how low I had gotten. I mean, I couldn't even go out in public without crying. Yeah. So <laughs> it's such a different life to me now that I reflect back, but um, definitely at a very low point. And at that point, perhaps, I don't know, about two days later, I was up in the middle of the night uh, crying and coughing and uh, wondering what I should do. And I heard on a podcast, so podcasts are wonderful, about just writing down things that you enjoy each day. And so I thought, well, I could do that. And I started writing as many things that uh, were good in my life. Uh, right away, I started writing as many things as I could find. And then each day forward, I'd write five things each day. And mm -hmm. these are called gratitude journals. And I started doing this. And about two months into it, I was out for a walk, trying to come up with ideas of what to put in my journal later that day, when I, I was reflecting on how much weight I'd lost and how I was sleeping better. I quit the booze and I had these job prospects and all these things came flooding to my mind. And I went, oh, my gosh, my life is completely different. What did I do to change my life around? You know, like what was the magic pill I took? And I realized it was because of keeping this gratitude journal. So uh, the SDK, the iPhone SDK had just come out and I was really excited about that. I didn't have an iPhone, mind you. I didn't even have a Mac or anything like that. But at that point in time, I decided I was going to try to tell the world about the power of gratitude by creating an app. And so wow. lo and behold, I buckled down and tried to figure out how to do it when all I had was a flip phone. And um, I love it. It was tough. It was really tough because people didn't know what apps were at the time. People didn't know what a gratitude journal was. And there was nobody to turn to because I lived in the middle of nowhere where nobody for well over 2,000 miles had created an app. So that's where it all began. That's a, that's an incredible story. I mean, so I'm not, I'm not surprised that, you know, you've been doing this for, for the years you have given, you know, how this all came about. It's, it's obviously... You know, it's from your core, right? So I, I think what's important to um, mention, not only apps just starting or, or, or not even starting at that point, but like people are becoming more and more aware over the last few years about gratitude journaling in general. I mean, there's still so much to go in that space alone as we speak right now. So I can't imagine, you know, 10 years ago what that was like, right? So how did you make that step? Cause that, I mean, there's one thing that you realize obviously it was helping you personally, but then it's another thing to, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in, and jump into this, you know, both feet forward and jump into a something that's brand new from a technology standpoint and B uh, from the subject matter that it's not really being talked about that much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's interesting how much mindfulness has, become more mainstream, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, back then, um, I think it, what really triggered people was when they saw my app, they also saw the story that went with it, how much this app, this practice had transformed my life personally. And I think at that point, there were people open enough to not only just trying apps because they were 
uh, new on takers for certain things, but also trying new practices. And a lot of the people who ended up coming to my app were advised through other mediums, people who are, were aware of mindfulness practices, maybe therapists, um, spiritual leaders, maybe uh, um, uh, what do you call those uh, alcoholic anom- anonymous partner okay, yeah. or some sort of person who has already been through a journey where gratitude had helped them in the past. Well, I'm glad you followed all of those all of those triggers and 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 followed that path because um, you've got some amazing work out there. I mean, let's talk about that. What what apps do you have on the market right now? Well, at the moment, I had I have my gratitude journal app. I had um, a suite of apps for a while, but then uh, focused more on being a full time mom than a full time app producer for the past <laughs> five years. Um, but I somehow managed to write a book as well uh, called Idea to iPhone that is a non technical guide for people creating their first app. So I produce, I publish that through Wiley. They're the people who create the dummy books. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the, there's, there's all, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's also the text messaging, um, option, right? Yeah. So I created a text messaging service called damn good text, and it's to make you feel damn good. And, um, it's a text message you get every day for 30 days that triggers thoughts and ideas to create awareness. I love it. I mean, I think, you know, just obviously being in this space as well, at least the message I like to get across, and it it sounds like you're the same. It's, it it doesn't take much, right? I mean, you just, you just need to get started somewhere and find some sort of tool or uh, means to, to, to shift your mind, right? So if it's like a simple text message could, could, could go so far, right? Like, what are your thoughts just on, on just the simplicity of, of what we're trying to do in this space and, and, you know, like what's next, right? Yeah. So since I, since I discovered how easy it is to change our whole life around with a, like a five minute practice, it changed, it seriously changed my, it absolutely changed my life. And it was so ridiculously simple. So I dove deep into all these books. I mean, I should have been a neuroscientist sure. because I've studied positive psychology, neuropsychology, um, spirituality, all these books. And I think what it all kind of comes down to is the stories we tell ourselves and the um, subconscious stories that we tell ourselves that we learned when we were still children. So we have these stories that are stuck inside our gray matter of our brain that um, we fall back on as triggers to respond to situations because our brain isn't there to make us happy. It's just there to keep us alive. And if there was an event in our childhood that um, helped us, where our brain helped us to keep us alive, it's going to fall back to that same path, whether it's a logical one, whether it's one that makes you happy or not. Mm. These small practices help you rewire those pathways so your brain doesn't always fall back to the negative or the one, the paths that don't absolutely help you. It goes to a new path. You're just rewiring neurons in your brain. And that's why it's so simple. So simple. So when you say so simple, um, 
I agree. I mean, these these small practices are simple, but when I think of the actual tools that you're you're bringing to market, yeah, not necessarily so simple to bring them to market. So why don't we talk <laughs> about that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, mean, and thank goodness. I mean, oh my gosh, thank goodness for technology, right? Because yeah. when you think about all these tools now that are right at our fingertips um, to help us. Um, so yeah, when I created my app, no small feat, that's for sure. And anybody who's created an app will probably bang the same drum. But, um, I think part of the reason why it gets to be so challenging is because when you go to produce an app, and I think everybody has an app idea, kind of like everybody has a book idea. When you go to produce that app, it's so confusing how to go about doing it. There's no clear path. And like building a house or trying to figure out how to build a house, maybe the first thing you do is get on Google and you just say, how do I make an app? And then you come up with so many different ways to do it that you get bogged down and it just gets absolutely confusing. Yeah, I I agree. And I mean... (laughs) It just when you're when you're talking about this, it, it reminds me of, of of our journey about a about a year ago now, I guess, when we started this. It, but I remember the day we were so excited when we mind mapped the app, and both of us, my my partner and I, we were, we were in other jobs and whatnot. We we're like, wow, look at this whole mind map, all the things that it can do, and super excited. And then from that point to where we are today, like, yeah. there's just so many factors, right? That I'm so happy. I mean, I, I wasn't aware of your book at that time, and, and it's too bad. I'm, I'm glad I'm, we're now connected because that could have helped yeah. quite a bit. Um, but like, what were some of the, like, what were some of the biggest surprises? I mean, because just for the audience, I mean, you're you're not a developer, right? Like, I think it's no, clear to no. to let people know that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I I tried to learn how to code and. Uh, <laughs> I can code like a fish. Yeah. Uh, so I let somebody who's more versed in that take care of all that. But I focus on t- two main things, which is the design and connecting to my customers. And those are absolutely so fun to do. And um, I think when somebody goes into creating an app, they tend to make a few mistakes off the bat. And one is just focusing on the features and what features will give us downloads rather than thinking about the people who are going to be downloading your app. So instead of focusing on who can build this and where can we find the developer and how is this going to look, focus on who are you building it for and why would they even want your app and what are they talking about and um, what are they wearing, who are their influencers, and really take some time looking at the people who are going to buy your app and start building those connections to those people. And if you did that, if you spent 50% of your app production time just building your audience and connecting with them, by the time your app launched, they'll be begging for your app. Yeah, that's a very, very fair point. So are there a few tactics that you can share that you found have worked in the past for actually doing some of these things? Well, it all comes down to what sort of app you, you want, Um, so in that influences the audience you're going to have. So for example, I've had customers who've created apps where their audience are farmers who aren't going to be on social media. So Mm -hmm. their tactic is going to be a lot different than my audience who are perhaps individuals who want to improve their lives and get to the top of their game or to get out of a rut or something like that. And they're probably 
on social media. Social media has uh, triggers built into it that will um, create the same brain chemicals that give you happiness and pleasure, the dopamines. So they're on there getting those dopamine fixes and I can find them there and connect with them there. And a surefire way to do that is to find out how you can help them without an app. What is it that they're looking for? What sort of solutions do they have without creating that app? And it's not that you have to create an audience. The people are already there. They're already online. Mm -hmm. You just have to figure out where they're at and then figure out how to connect with them so they start coming to you. So um, most recently I mentored a 16-year-old on launching her first app. And her giveaway to get people to come to her was her knowledge about making apps. And her app was a cryptocurrency app. So her audience was completely different than mine. They wanted, they're more into how do I make money, right? And so she was giving away every exact step that she took to build her app on Medium. And then the people were coming to her. Okay. And so if you give away all your secrets, you um, offer freebies to them, they'll be coming to you rather than you having to go to them. I, I love that you brought that up because, I mean, I, I think it's important even to note, you know, even for you and I, right? Think, things have changed so much now where it's it's shifted from this, you know, file the patent to, you know, hush, hush for everything to like, let's, mm. let's, we realize that there are a ton of people in this world and in, in, in our, in our um, industry or our path specifically, like it, it's a space that, you know, can use more people talking about, you know, the practices and the benefits and stuff like that. Because I mean, from the outside, if people look up the apps that you're working on and what Keo is all about, I mean, they're technically competing apps, but you know, here we are um, sharing, you know, our stories together because we want to help people. Right. And, and we know, I think we know that, you know, some people want to use one app. Some people want to use the other. Some people want to use a, a journal. Like it, it has to fit with the person and, and there's enough people out there to obviously sustain all of this. And what I love about what you said is, you know, if you do the right thing, then the rest follows, right? Absolutely. And not everybody wants to eat at the same restaurant every day or go for the same walk every day or, you know, do the same practice every day. So ideally people will have a suite of tools that will help them and one will yeah. feel good to them one day. Maybe another one will feel good another day. So I think empowering people to leverage their thoughts and their mind better is the collective goal. Ah, so well said. Love that. So sticking to the users and the community or the audience, um, something I'd love to chat with you about since you have, you have so much experience communicating with, with this audience, but how do you personally handle feedback yeah. with, you know, with your app and, and, and everything you've built? Cause you know, many people may not know, or they, there might be assumptions, but you know, you, you see the press releases, you see this, you see that, oh, this, you know, this app or this business is doing super well, but then, you know, all it takes is one nasty, yeah. you know, negative review to really throw your, your whole day um, out the door. Because at the end of the day, you, you know, this is, this is your baby that you're passionate about. And especially in this space, you're doing everything possible to help others. So it's, it's hard to take that in. How have you managed that? 
Yeah, so there's a couple of mindsets that I approach it with. One is if I'm not getting negative feedback, well, then I'm not pushing the envelope far enough. Um, And second is understanding where my customers are at in their mental mindset. So if you're using a gratitude journal to help overcome any difficulties in their life, their mind most likely is triggering to the negative quite instantaneously. And their feedback isn't so much directed personally at me. It just might be the emotional state that they're in at the moment. And something in my app triggered that emotional state. Now, that doesn't absolve me of having to fix the issue or whatever. (laughs) I mean, I'm still going to get on it. But uh, to not take it personally allows me to focus on making the app better rather than being stuck in a rut dwelling on something that isn't productive to anybody. Yeah. You know what to add to that? Um, And and this was from a recent guest. uh, Actually, this is live right now on the podcast, Natalie Warner from Green Street Juice out of Melbourne, Australia. Australia. She threw threw a stat at me that I didn't know. And it's something like over 60% or 65% of just the English, English language is negative. Like the words are actually negative. So, you know, and there's, there's a whole, yeah, I mean, I had no idea. And there's, there's, there's a whole other host of, of stats like that. So just kind of to your point, I think we need to be conscious of that, that we're actually, and if you you can chalk up the news and all these different things, right, we're surrounded by negativity. So we have to somehow proactively, you know, make sure that there's some positive there. And obviously these are practices that can help, but again, to your point of, of someone that le- leaves a negative review, um, it's probably not su- surprising, right? Like, hey, you're, you know, the app is kind of stimulating that thought or releasing something, but then at the same time, their whole day, just by a stats perspective, yeah. is, is, is negative, right? So In today's day and age, it's coming at us at a much faster, heavier rate than yes. what it did five years ago. So, Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's stick. Let, let's stay on the on the, the path of, of practices. Um, I think that's a good jumping off point. Um, like, what are some of the things that are non negotiables in in your daily routine, or some of the practices that you've actually adopted to help you launch, you know, these apps and businesses? Yeah. So I, I've always been an early riser, and I used to have the mindset that I had to eat the frog. I don't know if you've heard of that. I have, yeah. Term. Yeah, get the worst thing done first. So I'd jump on uh, my emails and answer support requests and answer negative feedback and all that. And so right away, by the time uh, my kids got up, I was already in a negative space myself. And it was about a year or so ago I realized uh, that wasn't working. And so now I get up early and regardless of how my night went the night before, if kids were up, I still get up and have that hour to myself um, before anybody else wakes up. And I invest that hour in setting my intentions for the day and thinking about how I want the day to unfold and how I want to affect other people who come across me in their day too. And I just, I write these out um, so I can ponder on them just a little bit. I also focus on things that I'm grateful for uh, to set my mood for the day. And then I'll sit down and I'll meditate for a good 20, maybe 30 minutes every morning 
Um, and then I go for some exercise, uh, whether I get in a bar class or go for a run or just a walk, walk my dog and make sure I get out and move my body some. So I, <laughs> it's quite sure. a, uh, a good morning routine. And that's my non-negotiable. If I miss that, I'm just not feeling quite myself for, throughout the rest of the day. So how do you, I, I love that. I mean, I, I'm similar with, with kind of owning the morning and it seems to be a really big consistent from uh, at least the guests I've interviewed on, on our, our podcast and for the app. I think it's just because the, the longer you go in the day, right? The, the more chances that you're just not going to do, if it's exercise yes. or whatever it is, right? It's just, you're, you're just setting yourself up uh, to, for it to be more challenging to actually do it. Let, let's say you do miss you do miss a, a day or two or something like that. Like, are there some things throughout the day that you're noticing that you've done t- that that helps you kind of yeah. get back on track? Yeah, yeah. So um, I make sure that my my phone screensaver is um, or my wallpaper is giving me a message. So it's. Mm. Uh, triggering thoughts for me. So when, every time I pick up my phone, it might be, what can you appreciate right now in this moment? Um, what are, what are you overcoming? How can, what, what, what if everything right now is working out for you and just changing the concepts of what I'm thinking about with a question to just get me to focus a little bit better on what matters the most in that moment. So I think coming back to who I am throughout the day and by that, by saying who I am, by coming back to the power of my own thoughts um, throughout the day, I don't lose that focus of having knee jerk reactions or frazzled um, or being distracted. I tend to get a lot more done. So um, that's one thing that I do. And then I, always try to make room for play. Okay. And I think that's something as adults we tend to forget or think that we have to yeah. do only on the weekends or something like that. But there's, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I get kind of silly <laughs> when I'm in the four walls of my own home. Well, let, let's talk about play. <laughs> what? I got two kids to let me get silly with. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so how do you, Carla, how do you, how do you fit it in? Like what, is it, is it random through the day or do you just follow what, what's there or you kind of schedule it in? Yeah, whatever moment. I mean, there's always opportunities to have fun. And I, I hang out with the kids on my street a lot uh, when it's nice outside and stuff because they always are up for a good game. And yeah. everything can be a game. You can change, turn around everything into a game. And if you can find humor or a game or gratitude in any sort of moment, then you're not letting that moment control you. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, I think that, that that's the key, right? It, you, you need to, like, they're there. The moments are there. It's just yeah. whether you're deciding to let them pass because of X reasons or you know what, being open to, to jump in, which is a great way. And I think which all of these practices help you see a little bit more clearly, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, the universe is, or the world or whatever you want to call it. It's always working out to your favor. It's just how much you're allowing it in and how much you recognize it. And I think when you appreciate a moment or find the humor in a moment, then you let go of trying to control it and you let things happen and you'll notice that things start to happen in your favor. And it might be as simple as getting five green lights in a row 
or it might be quite phenomenal with having that connection with an individual who it's a life-changing connection, but letting go of the control and letting things happen and being appreciative of where you're at right now is so, so key. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing all of that. I mean, that's, uh, these are the things like little, again, I think we talked about at the beginning of the conversation, but they're, they're not these giant initiatives that you have to take on that's going to take hours of your day. Cause I think, I think that's the hardest mm. aspect of this, right? It's everyone's busy. Everyone has loaded yeah. schedules. So when you look at any type of self-reflection or mental fitness practices, I think exercise has, has definitely come a long way now. Like people you know I need to fit it in. Um, mm-hmm. but even, even on that, on that case, it's, it, it's less about, I need to fit, like fit it in or remove something. It's, it, it just has to be part of, of your day. Right. And it, and it doesn't have to be these long stretches of, of, of journaling or meditation. Like some people I've heard, and this, this happens in my case too. If I can't get in a longer meditation, you know, I know that even just doing five or six minutes will, will have benefit. Right. Oh my gosh. There's, and there's so many different techniques to use out there that, um, even if you just switched up your morning routine just a little bit, like how you're brushing your teeth or things you do. I mean, there's so many little tricks out there. It's all about your mindset and taking control of that mindset. Yeah, I agree. So speaking of, of mindset, um, what does mindfulness mean to you? It means being appreciative of where you're at right now. It's not, and by that I mean um, not so much saying, oh, well, this is it. Okay, I guess. But more so going, wow, this is, I have all this. Um, You will notice that a lot of people think that if you're happy, then you can be grateful. But the, the switch is absolutely true. If you're grateful, that leads to happiness and more joy. Yeah. And when you have that in your life, things tend to be a lot more easier. And it's not from a woohoo, airy fairy type of perspective. This is actually scientifically proven over and over again through many institutions and uh, universities and hospitals that if you start from a positive mindset, your success rate is going to be so much faster and quicker than if you start from a negative uh, mindset. Yeah. No, I agree. It's it's funny you bring up the, the like the, some of the woohoo stuff, and then even the science. I've been thinking about a lot, thinking about that a lot lately. And at the end of the day, like I've boiled it down to try any of these practices, and you're you're gonna feel happy. I mean, it, it like there's your science. There's your, it's right there. I mean, you you right like I think it's Tony yeah. Robbins that says it right. Like you can't be grateful and upset at the same time. Right. It's, yeah, your brain can't do it. Yeah. It cannot do it. So, you know, pick your practice, whatever works for you in whatever time period. But it, it, it's it's almost guaranteed if you're doing something on a gratitude level, um, you're going to be happy. It's like there's there's the result. And what, what, like what else do you need? I mean, you can complement that as you go. There's obviously a lot of good science. I'm not, I'm not saying anything against science. But I mean, there is something right in your face that you can see a result yeah. on the spot. So... Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's kind of like this concept. I don't know if you've heard of this. If you take a how to turn a penny into $5 million in one month. So if you take a penny and put it in a jar and you double that amount every single day, by the end of the month, you'll have $5 million. 
But the interesting thing is, is that partway through the month, you'll still only just have, I can't even remember what it is, like maybe a buck some in change. Not okay. very much. Yeah. So you're feeling like it's not going to do anything. But once you cross that like 14, 15 day threshold, it just snowballs. And so I think what people come across is that they go, well, I've tried this for a day and my life's still the same. But the thing is, is you have to do it consistently over a longer period of time. And at one, some point, and it's not even that far, but like three weeks, maybe four weeks, you'll notice an exponential difference in your life. And then it'll start snowballing. Yeah. Well, and there's, it's funny because, and I fall, I've fallen victim to this as well, but like anything else in our life, whether it's, you know, you're training to run a marathon or let's even chalk it up to your work. I mean, everyone knows the first month of a new job. I mean, you're just trying to figure things out. Right. And it's, you hit that almost that six month mark where like, okay, I've got a good handle on things. Then you hit a year and you're like, Oh, I've seen these things come up before. And I feel like I'm really contributing. So, you know, there's all these other areas in our life that we accept that uh, call it learning or exploring phase. But when it comes to these mental fitness practices, it's like, to your point, you're, you're, you're totally right. Oh, I tried something for a day, did nothing. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> so, you know, just trust the process, I guess, is the, is the message, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, if you, if you try anything for one day, it's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, you can't diet for one day and lose 30 pounds. Fair. So why would anything like this work? Of yeah. course. Uh, Carl, I definitely want to jump into, um, your questions. So these are, we always, we always pull out the three top questions and you've already mentioned some prompts, but reflective questions that have been impactful in your life, either on a frequent basis or during big life-changing events. And we, you know, it's included in the podcast, obviously it's included in app and people can add these to their templates. So I'd love to get your, um, three powerful reflective questions. Uh, yeah. So one that I like to ask myself, especially when um, I'm in a sticky situation is what if everything's working out perfectly right now? Okay. And um, that helps me switch things around and how I'm viewing the situation. Okay. Um. Are these what you're looking for? These are perfect. I'm just trying to think. Yeah. I'm writing that one down. Um, All right. So how, walk us through that a little bit. Like what type of, do you, do you ask that question and then write it out? Do you let that question sit or, or does it change, I guess, as depending on, on what you're, you're, you're thinking about? Um, sometimes I have it uh, as a screensaver, depending on if I'm really, having a tough time in my life. Um, sure. Other times I'll just put that as, uh, my question for the day. Okay. I keep a bullet journal as well. And, uh, we'll put that as my intention for the day. If I can focus on something like that, but that's, that's one that, um, I think naturally we go, Oh, how is this going to not work out? And instead of looking at how it's not going to work out, what if we just switch that around and said, Oh, how many ways could this work out? I love it. And let your imagination go with that. 
Uh, I'm glad I asked because I mean, I, I mean, others might take it differently, but I looked at it as you write this out and then start listing, you know, you're working on a specific project and start listing everything out, which is, right. which is something that, that could be done. But I like, I like this even more. It's, it's more of just a, a little reminder, like you said, on your screensaver or even the way you're using prompts on your, on your phone. It's, um, yeah. again, it just shifts your mindset. No, it's great. Yeah. So our brain will naturally try to seek out an answer when you present it with a question. Yeah. So if I present my brain with a question like, who do I have to meet to make this come together and just leave it at that, then my brain is naturally going to seek out that person yeah. uh, without my having to force it. Yeah, it's, it's so powerful when you, put, yeah. when you put it out there. Awesome. All right. What, what are a couple other ones? Um, let's see. Uh, what, what can I do in this moment to make it even better? Okay. And a lot of times when that one comes across my brain, um, I'll have my nose in the phone. Sure. Rather than living in the moment, which I am absolutely guilty of being sucked into Facebook or Twitter or somewhere like that. Yeah. When I catch myself like that, that I go, Oh, maybe if I put my phone down, if I just put my phone down, listen, you're human, Carla, like the rest of us. (laughs) So (laughs) cut yourself a break. (laughs) And is there a third one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how can I, how can I help others succeed? Has that one been an evolution over over your time. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because once I started to feel more not I, I don't want to use the word in control, but um more at peace mm-hmm. with my own life. Um I understand that my journey is about empowering others. That is that is why I am here right now is to empower others. I love that. I mean, but it also goes back to I'm glad you you added that caveat that we can all strive to help others but if we haven't helped ourselves first then right it's like the whole oxygen mask scenario on the the, the plane right so that's right that's the key and then it it shifts into uh, and there's just something you know even relationships it doesn't matter what it is right you you want to try to give some sort of value back but there's always a shift there's always a like a turning point of some sort you know you're trying to get something off the ground or where you, you know, you need help, but then at the same time, you don't want to, you know, just be asking for things you want to give back and whatnot. So that's a great question. Great question to, to reflect on. Yeah. Thank you. So what's next? I mean, I, I definitely want to uh, leave the audience with some links in the show notes, but just, just give a little bit of description around the idea to iPhone. I mean, there's the book that you have, yeah. um, but then there's a course that's coming up quite soon, right? Yeah. So over the course of the past few years, since I launched that book, I've mentored quite a few people in creating apps. And um, what I began to realize is that there's a huge gaping hole in the marketplace with apps. And that's with minorities or females or people outside of Silicon Valley in New York making apps, independents making apps. And so what I've decided to do was take the book and turn it into a live eight-week course. It's going to kick off in March. And I'm going to handhold 
a select number of people through the process of making their first app or improving on their existing app. And the cool thing is, is it's not just me. It's going to be myself and a number of experts, a dozen experts in all sorts of areas, whether they're app producers like Mark or um, legal experts or social media experts or design experts. And we're going to disrupt the app store with a whole bunch of cool independents launching apps this year. Yes, I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm excited to participate in this. And um, like I said at the beginning, I wish I, I was tipped off on your book before we started this <laughs> venture. But I'm, I'm equally excited to, uh, to go through the material because you're right. I mean, it, it's, it's funny, like, you know, even outside of the app world, if you look at the book publishing world, there's a lot of, you know, self-publishing going on. And th- there's just a lot, there's a lot of ideas out there. And I think people are st- starting to find the confidence to push forward with their idea and that they can do it on their own. But yeah, there's a huge but there. And that's, that's why I think a course like this is so valuable because they're, you know, personally having just gone through it, there's just so many factors um, that, that are unknown that you, yeah. you can't even imagine to think about. So to have a little bit of a, a blueprint and, and knowing that, you know, that's not going to be the the perfect path, but at least you have the guidance to, to handle some of the, the bigger, um, you know, roadblocks or opportunities, whatever you want to call them, um, that will come up because they will come up, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of the problem with producing anything independently, whether it's a book or anything, is having that network of support and the experts behind it. And so... Well, a lot of times people with the big budgets, the funding, yeah. they can buy that. Well, what I want to produce is a network for these independents with each other and by opening up my little black book of experts to them. And so they don't have to start from scratch. Well, thank you for doing that. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm so excited about it. It's amazing. So last question for you, Carla. Um, as we sit here today, what are you most grateful for? Um, (laughs) I am very grateful for being able to run, walk, skip, jump on my two legs because my husband right now has got a cast on his foot and you do not realize just how important your little legs are until you don't have one. So I'm so grateful that I have all my health and everything to be able to not only take care of him, but our children and um, go about life. So, yeah. For sure. I mean, <laughs> the closing remark for me is, A, thank you for your time and, and sharing um, all of your insights and um, story with, with our audience. But I think most importantly for just your mindset on life and devoting the last you know many years to help others and serve others and help people with their confidence that they can, they can take their ideas and and put it out there in the world and the book, the course and your one-on-one mentoring. I mean, you've given us advice. I, you know, thank you for, for being open to that and for, for challenging kind of this, the, the standard uh, system that's out there. So keep rocking it out there, Carla. Yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of changes in the next few years because people like yourself and myself reaching out and building up a community yeah i mean let's let's the the world can use some more good out there so let's do (laughs) everything we can yeah right exactly thank you so much yeah thank you mark